It's really good to see all of you this morning. Proverbs chapter 1, we made our way down through verse 19. Today we're going to cover verses 20 through 33. And before we read that, as you know, where we have been uh, the last two weeks, we've been spending most of our time between verses 7 and verse 19, where we've gotten into a lot of parental things, you know, parental guidance, parental counsel, which we uh, have enjoyed. And being at his Father's Day, it's really good to go back and mention some of those things. Um, Very beautiful to think about what God has put together and what God has designed. Even when we begin to read today, the next section, as we hear wisdom being personified in the feminine crying out, and you kind of get the sense of God is trying to make a point even with that. Um, Because what we know is that God always portrays himself throughout scripture in the masculine. Wouldn't you agree with that? Yeah, he is our father in heaven. Amen. Um, And even his his angelic hosts that he uses to minister on our behalf are always in the masculine. We don't see a female angel throughout scripture. Yet we see God at times portraying himself with that loving covering of the feathers and the bearing of the wings. And there's a bit of, uh, at times, comforting side to God as he also provides that. I will bear your own eagle's wings. And so both of those are portrayed within the marriage union, which he's shown us. He has definitely portrayed that because he's given uh, two genders, right? Two given at creation, which is before birth. Chemically, when the, when the whole thing goes down, pretty quick, chemically, there's a gender determined based upon the process that God has already put in place. I'm just trying to keep it on a high level. Um, and so we understand that. And, and those genders seem to mean something within the family unit because God has created the family to be this very safe place by which children can be nurtured up and grow in a very safe environment and learn of him. And children are blessed with inside that type of a safe environment, aren't they? We know that, okay? And so as we've been looking at it, particularly back up in verse 8, my son, hear the instruction of your father. Y'all remember that? And don't forsake the law of your mother. Even in that, we saw the two genders coming together, the father and the mother, the mother laying down, if you will, a law, a a, a rule of things very young as in the Jewish community. The mothers would spend most of the time with the children when they were very young. And our culture is not set up exactly like that, but there's still a lot of tradition there where a lot of times the moms are taking care of the children when they're very young, often as dad's off working and stuff like that. And in some families, it's the other way around. There are a lot of single families here, single dad, single moms in the room. So we understand all of those exceptions, but God has generally put it together that way. And what happens in that is that there seems to be a little bit more of comfort that comes from mom. And that word instruction in verse 80, if you remember, is that discipline side that dad enforces things. And we know that because we get a whole lot more excited about Mother's Day than we do Father's Day. <laughs> Don't we? Yeah, it's just a natural thing. We, we already know it, dads. We are, and we're fine with it, aren't we? Yeah, we make sure that the kids love on mom and, and, and the stuff when Mother's Day comes around, and we just take whatever we get, and we're good with it. I'm all right. You can get me a new axe, you know. <laughs> I need a new hammer. I'm good, you know. Um, but it's kind of that way, and we know that. And, uh, and, and so it's for that reason that there's a, a little bit of that comfort that comes along with mom. Dad is constantly enforcing. Dads are making sure mom is not being disrespected as we've talked about 
you know, and, and all of that kind of stuff. And so we see that. And so in this next section, as we go into it, you seem to hint, get a hint towards that more comforting side coming out as God now is trying to gently draw people to some, some biblical sense, some common biblical sense. And so we pick up reading in verse 20 where it says, Wisdom calls aloud outside. She raises her voice in the open square. She cries out in the chief concourses at the openings of the gates in the city. She speaks her words. How long, you simple ones, will you love simplicity? For scorners delight in their scorning and fools hate knowledge. Turn at my rebuke. Surely I will pour out my spirit on you. I will make my words known to you. Because I have called and you refuse, I have stretched out my hand and no one regarded. Because you disdain all my counsel and would have none of my rebuke, I also will laugh at your calamity. I will mock when your terror comes. When, ter when your terror comes like a storm and your destruction comes like a whirlwind, when distress and anguish come upon you, then they will call on me, but I will not answer. They will seek me diligently, but they will not find me because they hated knowledge and did not choose to fear the Lord. They would have none of my counsel and despise my every rebuke. Therefore, they shall eat the fruit of their own way and be filled with the full with be filled to the full with their own fancies for the turning away of the simple will slay them and the complacency of fools will destroy them. But whoever listens to me will dwell safely and will be secure without fear of evil. And so, Lord, we thank you this morning for your word that you continue to give us. Lord God, I pray that even now you prepare our hearts to receive what you have to say. Lord, I pray that you would remove all pride from us, all rebellion, Lord, that we could just clearly hear and surrender to what you are saying, that you even remove the distractions that would hinder us from the room, the cares of this life. Allow us to focus on what you have to say. We love you and thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Now, y'all remember Pastor Kevin didn't call anybody a fool. I want to keep reminding you of that as we go through the book of Proverbs. But we kind of see here in, the, in these verses the call of wisdom, the rebuke of wisdom, the availability of wisdom, and the consequences of refusing wisdom as we dive in. Notice wisdom calls aloud outside. She raises her voice in the open square. She cries out in the chief concourses at the openings of the gates of the city. We see the call of wisdom in the first two verses. And it's very interesting. It's almost as if wisdom is somewhat pursuing us. Because she cries, it says here, she, uh, yeah, she calls aloud, notice outside. And, you know, I... I don't know, I think the Holy Spirit writing through Solomon, even though Solomon is writing poetically of wisdom to his sons to teach them things that his children will listen. It's the Holy Spirit that is moving upon him to write it in this way. And so she calls aloud outside. She's not quiet and she's not in a hidden place. She's outside seeking and pursuing those who would listen and hear her voice because God desires for, for, the, for those of us who know him to have wisdom, and there's a, a bit of wisdom he requires or desires everyone to know who would turn and come to him, but he desires for us to know and hear this wisdom, and so therefore it is not hidden away so much, but it is, a, if you will, available to some degree 
as God is the one who is doing the calling. It was, as we'll see as we go through this, we'll see that it's the Lord Jesus himself calling. There's hints of the Holy Spirit. She raises her voices in the open squares, notice. And so wisdom is there and she is calling. And of course, the Bible says if anybody lacks wisdom, let him ask of God, right? And remember, it says then that he will give how? Freely without reproach. And so God desires to pour his wisdom out upon those who are in need of wisdom. And so as we begin to see this call of wisdom, we get a sense that this wisdom is calling out to all who would listen and heed it. And there's an aspect of this as we go through it where you got to be able to see that God desires to give you wisdom for every situation of your life on every day. Those of you who know him and in a room this size, most of us, not, not any visitors in the room, most of us are pursuing him who know him and are trying to walk with him. But what we need to understand in that is because of that, he wants to give you wisdom in the moment. Today for what you need, tomorrow for what you need, for every decision, for everything that we're doing, God wants to speak and and give us direction in our lives. And so she's calling out. Notice the heart here in this call. Notice the heart of God in the call of wisdom in verse 21. It says she cries out. In the chief concourses and at the openings of the gates in the city, she speaks her words. This speaks of the, again, the fact that her words are being spoken openly to those who are listening. Now, one of the things I, I will say is here is that the concourses, which speaks of the intersections by which all, all, all of the conduits, all of the roads are coming in and out, the busyness and the hustle and the bustle of the society, the open gates in the city speaks of the gates of the city in ancient times, which meant the place where all of the business was conducted because it was in the gates often where the actual marketplaces would be set up where trading was going on. So everyone in the city eventually came to the gates because they did their business at the gates. Look, all the real estate deals got, if you will, closed or discussed or dealt with at the gates. That's where the elders met. Everybody met and did things and conducted their transactions at the gate of the city. So it speaks of where everything is taking place. She's crying out. She's calling for all who will listen to her, that that they could be led by her. And in this, we actually begin to hear the voice of God because it's Jesus himself, the Bible says to us, and we find it in the Gospels in Matthew 23 and Luke chapter 19, not on the screens, but Jesus cried and wept over Jerusalem because he desired to gather her. But Jerusalem missed her Messiah and he was desiring and so like Wisdom cries out. The Lord cried out over Jerusalem because he wanted Jerusalem to turn to him and know who their Messiah, but they refused. We hear Paul with this same heart crying out in the Gospels in Philippians chapter 3. He's, he's not on the screens. You can write it down. Philippians 3.18, it says, For many walk of whom I've often uh, I've told you often and now tell you even weeping that they are enemies of the cross as Paul was warning them. In Acts chapter 20, Paul was warning the Ephesian elders as he was about to depart. And he was saying, I know that savage wolves are going to come in and not spare the flock. And he says, so watch and remember for three years I did not cease to warn everyone night and day with tears. Paul is saying to the elders, I know that danger is coming for the church. And with tears I've warned you. I've cried out. There's this crying out that's in the heart of even those who love the Lord. Even parents in the room, sometimes we cry out, desiring our children to hear. People who minister cry out, 
desiring those whom they are ministering to and teaching and loving on to listen to the wisdom of the Lord. Wisdom is crying out for those who would listen and take heed and understand what it is that God is trying to say. And it's done openly. It's done outside and it's loud. I get the sense that God, his wisdom is not hiding from anyone, but it's available for those who would turn to it and seek it out, who want to know and who want to learn. And so if you remember, uh, well, at least as a child growing up down here, I remember we don't do it here at this church, but um, we used to, growing up, they did the Easter egg hunts. You know, how many of you have participated in Easter egg hunts? Be, be honest, okay, at some point in your life, okay? And I remember being a boy wondering why they don't really hide these things well. <laughs> I mean, we all run around with full baskets. I mean, you find them everywhere, you know? And I grew up and realized, well, they didn't want to put them in the bushes where the snakes are, so they wanted to make sure the kids could find them. But you remember, it was just like, they go to, you just go out there and get all your... Well, the wisdom of God, to some degree, is that way in the sense he's put it there for us to grab hold of it, but often we miss it or we ignore it. In fact, Speaking of Jesus in Colossians chapter 2, Paul says, speaking of the Lord Jesus Christ, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. Not that God is hiding wisdom and knowledge from us, but he's hidden it in Christ who we go to for it. It's found in him. He goes on to say that we are complete in Christ because he's the fullness of the Godhead bodily. So if we need wisdom, we find it in the person of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. And there's a picture here. Jesus even said himself, as wisdom cries out, Jesus cried out in the open square. It's in John chapter 7 on your screen, verse 37 through 39. Jesus said, it was on the last day of the great feast. I've shared this verse with you before. Jesus stood and cried out saying, if anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. And he who believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart, will flow rivers of living water. I love that. Living water uh, speaks of a, a river as opposed to a pond with the dead. They got the algae on it. It's dead, and you, you don't want nothing out of it. You know, like the park over here off of Amelia Church, East Clayton Park. You ever walk around and see that pond? How many of you have seen that pond? I see people fishing there. I said, well, I guess it's just for sport. I don't know if I want to eat anything. There's bottles and cans floating around. There's this film on top of the water. I'm like, I don't really want to, you know, or the Noose River. I fish the Noose River. I pretty much throw everything back, though. <laughs> it's a river, but, but living water, refreshing water, right? We understand it's alive. And it says, out of their hearts will flow rivers of living water. But notice it says in verse 39, but this he spoke concerning the spirit whom those believing in him would receive. For the Holy Spirit was not yet given because Jesus was not yet glorified. Of course, we know the Holy Spirit was given to the church after Jesus was resurrected and when he met the disciples in the upper room and breathed on them and says, receive the Holy Spirit. Then later at Pentecost, the Holy Spirit came upon them for power. But when Jesus was with them, they weren't spirit-filled. They weren't born again because they were physically face-to-face -face with Jesus. Amen? The Spirit came when Jesus left to be Jesus with us every day so that all of us now have the Lord with us in the person of the Holy Spirit. And so here, Jesus speaking of that um, is, is just like wisdom calling out. It's the Lord calling. It's his Spirit calling to some degree that he wants to give us what is needed for this life that we're called to live. Wisdom calls out to us because God did not save us 
through his son and give us his spirit for us to just live this life now on our own and in our own resources. In other words, he didn't call us to be saved and for us to just figure it out all by ourselves now. If you believe that, you've missed the point. No, he dwells with us and walks with us and wants to lead and guide us. And we need wisdom to especially navigate the dark times that we live in today. And so much deception in the world today. And so it says she cries out in the chief concourses in the open gates of the city. She speaks her words. And you got to catch that she speaks her words because I'll talk about this a couple of times. But how many of you, as you live this life and as you're praying and seeking the Lord, how many of you hear his voice sometimes through just people you're fellowshipping with? And God sometimes in, 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 in some situations uses people that we would have never thought to speak some wisdom. And we know it's coming from the Lord. Because he used the donkey to do that with the, with the rebellious prophet. Remember that? Yeah. The donkey opened his mouth and spoke. You know, a lot of times I say, you know, it comes from places, even the babes. A lot of times we're driving and wisdom comes from the back seat from my daughter. Dad, you need to get gas. And dad's being stubborn. I know I need to get gas. I'm going to get gas when, when I get down the road to a gas station that's on my right side because I'm not going to make a left turn and have to do all of that and get back on the road. It needs to be on my right side. And so, yes, I know it's on E, but in about 10 miles down the road, there's a gas station on my right. That's where I'm going. And then I get there, and they got the yellow bags on the, on the thing. <laughs> and the wisdom from the back seat kept saying, Dad, you need to get gas. She's... Uh, She's designed, she's already ready to be a help me because she's like, you know, she's on it. She goes, look, you need to do this, Dad, you need to do that. Um, wisdom comes from places and often we hear it, but we're not always listening. And we need to understand that God wants to speak to us and he is. And so we need to pay attention because wisdom is calling out, the call of wisdom. But there's also a rebuke of wisdom that we see here that we need to pay attention to. Verse 22 begins and it says, how long, you simple ones, will you love simplicity? This word simple and simplicity, it's the same word in the Hebrew and it means foolish, silly, open-minded, easily persuaded. How long will you silly, foolish ones love foolishness? Is what it's getting at. How long will you silly ones love being silly? Um, you know, open-minded, uh, if you will, shallow, um, just kind of going your own way and, and not seeking the wisdom that's available. That's what he's saying. He said, because scorners delight in their scorning and fools hate knowledge. In other words, as she's crying out wisdom, she can't bear to see those whom she loves going away to their own doom, just like Jesus couldn't bear to see Jerusalem, the Jews rejecting him, knowing their end would be in A.D. 70, destruction at the hands of the Roman uh, army that would surround him. Um, Paul couldn't stand to leave the Ephesian elders knowing that false prophets were going to creep in and begin to make a mess of the church. And so there's this cry going out from wisdom to listen because danger is coming. <laughs> And we know that Jesus says that we have an enemy who is seeking to destroy. And therefore, we must be on guard. And so wisdom is crying out. And notice what she says in verse 23. Turn at my rebuke. Turn at my rebuke. You could also say she's saying repent of your foolishness. Repent of being silly. Repent of being stupid. Turn to me that I can give you wisdom. And repent, we know. Listen, repent. 
is not saying I'm sorry. Repent is recognizing that I'm wrong. And God is right, and I need to turn to him because I've made a mess of it already by myself. Repenting is realizing that I am a mess, I'm a wreck, and I'm going to do it the wrong way. And I don't want to go this way anymore. And I'm going to turn to the Lord, and I'm going to trust him. That's what repentance is. That's how I got saved on, in uh, 1993 on a Friday night, realizing I had messed up. I ain't want to go that way no more. Jesus, help me. Show me. That I'll do it your way now. That's repentance. If I, so it's like going this way and stopping. It's like this is the wrong way, and I'm going to turn around and go this way. And that's repentance. So turn at my rebuke is the picture being given here. Turn away from your silliness. Turn away from your foolishness. Seek the wisdom of the Lord. And notice what he says next. We see the availability of wisdom. He, as he says here in verse 23, Be surely, notice, I will pour out my spirit on you. And notice this, and I will make my words known to you. I love that. In other words, as you turn to the Lord, it says here, I will pour out my spirit on you. The spirit of wisdom, I believe, is what he's talking about here. We know this because when we were in the book of Revelation, you remember we saw the seven spirits of God before the throne in chapter four. Y'all remember that? Are y'all okay today? Stay with me. Okay, remember the rules. We were, there's no visitors here too, so I don't have to remind y'all. Remember the rules. And we talked about seven being the number of completion, so it wasn't seven different spirits, but it was the complete work of the Holy Spirit, and wisdom is one of the attributes. Isaiah 11, verse 1 and 2, we kind of see it in Isaiah 11. It says, There shall come forth a rod from the stem of Jesse. Jesse was David's father. David is the, uh, the, the forefather, if you will, or the ancestor of the Lord Jesus in the flesh. Um, and a stem of Jesse. Notice a branch shall go out of his roots, speaking of the Lord Jesus Christ. Notice the spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him. Notice the spirit of wisdom and understanding, the spirit of counsel and might, the spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord. Not again that they are different spirits, but an attribute of the Holy Spirit is wisdom. The spirit of God gives us many things. He gives us self-control. He teaches us really how to love. He gives us an overwhelming peace in the midst of all kinds of things. But one of the things that he provides also is wisdom. You see, God gives us self-control and wisdom when our emotions are so strong and pushing us so quickly in a particular direction and we feel like moving into things and going real fast and things, but the spirit of wisdom cautions you sometimes to slow down, pray, and seek the Lord. And we know that, and this is what he's saying. He's saying, surely I will pour out my spirit on you and then notice, and I will make my words known to you because it's the very spirit of God which makes the very word of God known to us because before I had the spirit of God, I didn't really understand the word of God and really had no desire for it. Now, with the Spirit of God in me, I hunger for it, and I'm nourished from it because the Spirit gives me understanding of it. And so it's the very Spirit of God which wants to make the Word known, listen, in your life, in the moment when you need it. Because some of you in here right now, would, would be, if you would be honest, you have a week ahead starting tomorrow where there are things that are going to be happening, and you just don't know what to do with them. You don't know how to handle them. You don't know what to do. As a, as a maybe a, a husband or a wife, you have an issue and you don't quite know how to deal with it, or a parent, and you got some things going on with the kids and you just don't know what to do. Maybe young people in the room, which I'm so blessed that you're in here, you're young adults, you got something before you, you don't know how to handle it. 
You don't know what to do. You don't know where to go. And you're seeking some wisdom and understanding. You're in here in church on Sunday morning. You want to know what it is that you should be doing. And wisdom is crying out. And she says, turn to me and stop trying to do it all by yourself. And I will make known to you my words. I believe the spirit of God speaking here. Now, here's something that we need to know and understand. I want you to turn with me really quick to 1 Corinthians chapter 2. While I'm talking, you quickly turn. If you're new at the Bible and you think that might take you too long, you can listen. I'll read, and you can just make a note to go find it later and look at it in detail. But this wisdom that I believe as the, the wisdom crying out is a reflection of the Lord Jesus and a reflection of his spirit being poured out. Paul touches on it with the Corinthians to some degree. And I just want to show you a few verses here um, in chapter one of, uh, sorry, chapter two of second Corinthians. I'm so sorry. First Corinthians, let me do it in order. First Corinthians, the book, chapter two is where we're going. All right. I'm excited. Y'all bear with me. Verse 6, all the numbers running together. Paul, he, he, you can look at the whole thing. I urge you to look at the whole thing later, but he starts 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 6. However, he says, we speak wisdom among those who are mature. And in Corinth, that was those who were yielding to the Lord and, and trying to walk with him and trying to apply his word in their lives. He says, yet not the wisdom notice of this age, because there is a wisdom of the age. As you kind of go through and, um, you know, from season to season, there's, the, there's a, a way that the world right now in this age is conducting itself. There's a wisdom that they're operating within, and you can sense it and you can see it. Paul says it's not the wisdom of this age, nor of the rulers of this age. No, it's not of those who are ruling, those who are in, in government offices and running companies and running organizations, not of, not of their wisdom, because he says, who are coming to nothing. You catch that? He's speaking of the fact that there is a wisdom available to believers that is beyond all of that foolishness of the world and of the rulers and the elites and, the, and, and all of those of the world who can't now figure out if a baby is born premature, if it's human or not. So they're trying to figure out if they can, they can deem it not human so they can still kill it. That's one of the things they're dealing with now, even in our country. The rulers of this age have no wisdom because they opened up their session of Congress back in January praying to a false god. And then a few hours later, they were hiding in the basement. And I'm getting ahead of myself. I want to I wait before I get into that a little bit. But the rulers of this age, as you look, they don't have any real wisdom. They are lost and we're not called to follow them he says here it's not of this age nor the rulers of this age they are coming to absolute nothing what we read in the book of revelation is going to overtake them like they like like a thief in the night but he says we speak wisdom in verse 7 we speak the wisdom of god and mystery the hidden wisdom which god ordained before the ages for his glory which none of the rulers of this age knew for had they known, they would have not have crucified the Lord of glory. You say of this age, had they known, they wouldn't be doing half the foolish stuff that they are doing. But as it is written, verse 9, I has not seen nor has ear heard, nor have it entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for those who love him. But God has revealed them to us through, notice, his spirit. Do you see that? 
the wisdom that comes from God is revealed to us by his spirit, the same spirit which makes his word known to us that it can be a light into our feet, and a lamp into our path so that we can know which way to go. So he says, now I had to find my place. I'm a little too excited. Yeah, nor, yeah, so verse 10, but God has revealed them to us through his spirit for the spirit searches all things, just the deep things of God. For what man knows the things of man except the spirit of the man which is in him? Even so, no one knows the things of God except the spirit of God. And now we have received, notice, not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God. In other words, when we were born again, because, you know, we were born in sin and shaped in iniquity. All we had was a sin nature. So all we could do was sin. What we did is what pleased our flesh. And we didn't have the capacity to do really anything different. It's not that we weren't kind of some people in that state can be considered good people for the most part. They do good things. They give money to the poor and stuff like that. Yes, but in sin nevertheless, okay? So, when we became born again, God poured his Holy Spirit into us. And as we walk in the spirit, we can literally crucify or mortify, it says in Romans chapter 8, verse 13, the deeds of the flesh. And we can actually please our God. Amen. And so now we don't have the we haven't been given the spirit of fear, we often say, but love, power and sound mind. But we also haven't been given the spirit of this world, but we've been given a different spirit. Right. We understand that. And so he says that the spirit who is from God is the one we've been given that we might know. I'm looking at it in verse 12 here. We might know the things that have been freely given to us by God, that we might know these things by the spirit of God, who also makes known to us the word of God, who gives us the wisdom to live for God and to please God. Isn't that wonderful? In other words, God has given us what we need to walk with him to please him and to navigate this world. And that's what he's getting at. And what Paul is saying to the Corinthians, I believe even what Solomon is hinting towards by the Spirit in the Old Testament is that we are, especially those of us who are New Testament saints of the new covenant who are born again, we are spirit beings and God wants to lead and guide us by his Spirit through his word that we may know what to do. And it goes with anything. I'm in the lobby talking to someone between services and, um, and they were saying to me, Pastor Kevin, you know, yada, 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 I work with the public, so I'm wearing a mask to protect you. I said, okay, great, wonderful, thank you. And he says, I haven't been vaccinated yet, and I'm not sure I want to be vaccinated. What do you think I should do? I says, you need to pray, and you need to take it to the Lord. And you shouldn't do it until God gives you peace. Because anything you do in this world, you need to have the peace of God. Man is wicked, heart, desperately wicked. Who could know it? Do not trust man. You must be always led of God in every decision that you make. You don't do anything because the world tells you to do it. The world is passing away and the things of the world, and they don't have the wisdom of God. So he says here as we go back into our text, y'all okay? Yes. So he says then, because I have called, verse 24, and you have refused, this word is to shun, to push away. Now, as you go through the Bible, you find often God's heart is broken because he's just trying to love his people and lead them in the right direction. 
And they sometimes can refuse him. They can shun him. They can push him away. Imagine, parent, if, you, if you're trying to tell and plead with your child not to do something that could potentially destroy them, and they push you completely away. Wouldn't that break you, your heart? You got nowhere to go but your knees at that point. To constantly cry out, Lord, protect them. Lord, bring them back. And so it's the heart of God here. Wisdom is a personification, if you will, of who God is himself. So because I have called and you have refused, you've pushed me away, you've shunned me, I have stretched out my hand and no one regarded, no one takes heed, no one listens. Because you disdain all my counsel, you hate my counsel, you don't want it. And would have none of my rebuke. It's going to sound harsh. Stay with me, though. At the end, it brings it back. Because you got to remember, this is the wisdom speaking to those who hate it and push it away. Verse 26. I also will laugh at your calamity. I will mock when your terror comes. There's no if in verse 26. For those who, who push the wisdom of the Lord away... It seems to be a definite thing that calamity is coming. Terror will come. In fact, he says in verse 27, when your terror comes like a storm. Storms can kind of come up pretty quick depending on where you're from. You don't get much warning. Um, They can, especially in the summer down here in the south when it's humid, especially growing up, every day there was going to be a storm. You know, every day the humidity would build and the bucket would just release and everything would fall right back down. (laughs) During the summer, I remember that throughout. It's always coming through. It's going to come like a storm. It's going to show up and your destruction comes, notice, like a whirlwind. It comes out of nowhere and it's destructive. When distress and anguish come upon you, in other words, it's going to come because you shun those who do shun the wisdom of the Lord. Verse 28, then they will call on me. In other words, when this destruction happens, they'll call. But he says, but I will not answer. They will seek me diligently, but they will not find me. Because often the late hour repentance is actually not repentance at all. It's kind of like someone who gets caught in a really bad sin situation, and they seem repentant, but they just caught. (laughs) It's a difference, you know. And so what's happening here, because the heart has to be dealt with first for there to be true repentance. And so often they're seeking, but they're not truly seeking the fear of the Lord just to get out of the calamity that's come upon them. That's kind of what he's hinting towards here. Verse 29 says, because they hated knowledge and did not choose the, there it is, y'all, again, the fear of the Lord. Remember, the fear of the Lord is I love the Lord so much, I don't want to do anything that displeases him. It's that relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ that is above all things. So they did not choose the fear of the Lord. They would have none of my counsel, verse 30, and despise my every rebuke. So verse 31 says, and here it is, it says, Therefore, they shall eat the fruit of their own way and be filled to full with their own fancies. And and, and here's the thing. The Bible says it. Paul picks it up in the New Testament this way. In Galatians chapter 6, verse 7 and 8, Paul says, Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever man sows, that will he also reap. For he who sows to the flesh will of the flesh reap corruption, but he who sows to the spirit will of the spirit reap everlasting life. In other words, God is not mocked. He's not fooled. Um, it's going to happen. And, what, and, and this is scriptural. This, this whole law of sowing and reaping is seen throughout the Bible. There is something to what we invest spiritually our, our lives into 
It's important what that is. Because if we only sow to the flesh, in other words, we're only sowing to the lust of the flesh. We will of the flesh reap corruption. You can see it in some practical ways. Those who sow to sexual immorality will see destruction in their own flesh. Paul picks it up in Romans. He says, you receive your just due homosexual, which is what the destruction of your flesh happens. Because even though they paint the picture of this being such a a gay thing, you know, um, (laughs) they destroy their own bodies. Nobody talks about that. But you talk to doctors who have treated them. No one wanted to admit that AIDS spread through our country because of sexual immorality. And it started in the cesspool of homosexuality. No one wants to talk about the, the, just the loose lifestyle that people indulge in and how the drugs and the sex literally destroys and deteriorates the body and the mind and every relationship that they have. And all these things just get destroyed. Um, and, you know, so those are the things that we can see. We can measure. You can test those things. You can go out and do street ministry and look at what heroin has done to people. They've lost every relationship. They've lost every possession. Their teeth are falling out and everything else is, is, is just going to utter destruction. Because that's what sin does. You know, you can't play around with things. I remember being in a house um, of a family that was falling apart over a, um adulterous relationship and the kids were crying and um, the person looked at me who had done it, the other spouse gone out of the house at that point and, and said, I didn't mean for it to go this far. You know, this little thing, I didn't mean for it to go this far. And, uh, you know, the Holy Spirit spoke because this was a church going person who knew the word. It's, you know, the scripture says, can we take fire into our bosom and not be burned? Can you, can you actually play with it and think that there won't be some consequences to it. And that's what we're looking at here. There's consequence to going our own way and shunning the wisdom of the Lord. So therefore, they will eat the fruit of their own way, notice. In other words, they're going to sow. And when you sow seed, something grows from that. He said they're going to eat the result of that sin and that foolishness and be filled to full with their own fancies. Because he says in verse 32, and this is very important, for the turning away of the simple will slay them. In other words, God has designed it so that he is crying out to give us wisdom. His wisdom is not hiding. It's there for us to discover. If we ask, he gives freely. If we turn and repent, he pours his spirit upon us, which opens up his word to us. And then when that that fear of him that's created on the inside, it does something to us. But if we turn away, that in and of itself brings destruction. And the complacency of fools will destroy them. Not only is there a danger in turning away, but even being complacent. See, in Christianity, as we, you've heard many times, I'm sure, and I'll remind you again, in Christianity, there is no fence. It, 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 maybe it used to seem like the fence was a little bit of a ledge you could walk on. But as I look at the world now, the fence is a barbed wire, razor, razor-laced fence. There's no gray area anymore. Um, you need to turn to the Lord and walk with him. So even that complacency, you're either moving forward in the Lord or you're falling backwards. There's no middle ground left. And so he says in verse 33, but whoever listens to me will dwell safely and will be secure without fear of evil. I love that. 
Whoever listens to me, wisdom says, wisdom speaking of the Lord, speaking of the very Holy Spirit, will dwell safely. You know, just like children, children generally speaking, and I probably can speak from every home in here, children generally don't live with anxiety. Usually when children have anxiety, they're in a really, really bad environment. But like babies, if they have the touch and the love of a parent, they're pretty secure. Children who are growing up in your homes and, um, you know, those of you in here, you love the Lord and mom and dad's there. They feel safe and they feel secure. Okay, Um, And when they're in that loving environment, which God designed, they don't really have any cares. You know, you look at them, they just go to sleep at night. They don't know that you're crunching numbers on the budget and praying and seeking wisdom so you can keep everything paid. They have no clue that there might be any issues going on. You know, nothing that they ain't worried about whether the lights are going to be on. They're not worried about if food's going to show up most of the time. You know, they're not worried about any of those things because that's what we're taking care of, right? Generally speaking, right? Well, I think the same way is for the believer who's listening for the voice of the wisdom of God. We dwell safely. Generally speaking, we don't worry so much about life in the sense that we know our Heavenly Father's got this thing. And that's how we're called to live. Jesus says, don't worry. You can't change nothing by worrying. Your Heavenly Father know what you got need of. You know, uh, this morning, looking out, I'm going to study early this morning. And I took a video of an owl perched on a branch. That owl ain't worried about what's going on in the world. He's, he said, God's going to bring, something's going to come by that I can eat. He just, <laughs> and a cat walked by, but it was too big, so he just sat there. But I know eventually, because I've seen the hawks and stuff feeding on rodents and whatnot, they don't worry about it. Jesus says, hey, the sparrow, look at them, the birds, they don't worry about how the Heavenly Father, and you're more important than them. So in other words, God is saying, hey, walk by faith. Trust in me. We don't have to worry. God's going to take care of things. And and generally, as a believer, that's the case. As we live with him, we don't worry. He's going to deal with it. And even if we go into a trial, he's going to be with us there. There's going to be peace with him. And on the other side of of the trial, there's going to be more peace if we stay close to and walk with our Lord. Amen? Amen? This is what he's called us to. And so as we do these things, God has got us. And I would simply encourage you today, if you don't know as we close now, and if everybody can just kind of wait before you do a lot of movement and let the worship team walk up, you don't have to do what they're doing. You just stay still. But I urge you today, because I believe that the Spirit of God speaks just as we've seen in Scripture. And I believe that he's spoken to someone today while we've been together about something that's going on in your life. And so if you could bow your head and close your eyes out of respect. If the Lord has been speaking to you and you know that the Lord has been speaking to you today. I want to pray that he has his full work in your life with that thing and that you don't walk out of here and forget what he has said to you. And in fact, if that's you, you raise your hand right now. If the Lord has said something to you concerning your life this week, I see about eight of you with hands up and about nine of you with hands up, maybe 10. That's wonderful. So Father, we thank you, Lord, that you are faithful to speak to us, Lord God. And uh, Lord, you know everything that's going on in our lives. You point out the things that need to be dealt with and the things that you want to help us with, Lord. And so I pray for them that they would hear your voice completely, that they would open your Bible and begin to read and begin to pray and begin to trust. And Lord, that you would give them the wisdom they need as they move and walk in faith this week, as they face situations, as they deal with things that you would lead and guide them as you want to be involved in every aspect of our lives. And uh, we thank you for that, Lord, today. 
in Jesus' name. Amen. And we are over time. And so if you could stand, we're going to sing. Pray that we would see you to, uh, Wednesday night this week for Bible study. And God would go before you. God bless you. Jesus.